This is the Intego Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For Thursday, August 4th, 2022. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include cryptocurrency-related apps on Apple's App Store are under scrutiny for containing malware, spyware, or for just being out-and-out scams. How is Apple protecting you? The world's clocks seem to have gotten out of synchronization with the rotation of the planet. So is an adjustment, a leap second, really necessary? Maybe not. Now, here are the hosts of the Indigo Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Indigo's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing well. We have some great stories today. I want to first bring up a story that was from last year, last August. We'll link to an article on the BBC. Tom Cruise is in my Warwickshire garden. I live in Warwickshire, which is, I live near Stratford-upon-Avon in the UK. And Tom Cruise was filming Mission Impossible, and he couldn't get to the Coventry Airport. Coventry's about 15 miles from here. So he found a family that had a big piece of land behind them, sent one of his people in an SUV to go ask if they minded if someone landed a helicopter. And they landed in this garden. Technically, it was a big paddock, I think, because they had horses. He was really friendly. He took pictures and videos with the family, and he even invited them to the premiere of Top Gun. Tom Cruise seems like a really nice guy. So the latest one is that he was jumping off a cliff in the Lake District in northern England. And there was a helicopter filming him, and he apologized because he landed with a helicopter, and he had his—I guess it's a parasail, is that what it is? And he apologized to the people, said, sorry for disturbing your peaceful walk with all the noise. I like your dog. So then he starts running toward a cliff, and he he is about to jump off the cliff, and one, and one of the uh, people who saw him was like, are you really going to jump off? And he just jumps. And, and no problem. He didn't act like he was nervous about it. He didn't hesitate at all. He just jumped, you know. Got to give him credit. He does his own stunts. Yeah. Anyway, the reason we're bringing up Tom Cruise is because deep fake videos are a problem. And there's someone who's been doing a bunch of Tom Cruise deep fake videos. A deep fake is where someone on a video is not the person they look like. Think of it as CGI, but this isn't like expensive CGI. There's relatively simple software that can do this. One of the worries is that you can make someone say something that they didn't say. I mean, imagine someone makes a deep fake video of Elon Musk saying something stupid. Now, since he often says stupid things, you wouldn't be surprised if in the video he says something that could affect the stock price of Tesla or another company. Imagine if you could do this with a politician, so the kind of thing where it's a live mic and they didn't know and they say something. You can make something look really real. And this is something we really need to worry about. Yeah, this is becoming a bigger problem. And and we actually have seen some examples of this in the past. I, I've seen deep fakes with, uh, for example, President Obama or something. And, you know, they'll make him say something that obviously he didn't actually say, but they get some, usually what happens is they'll, they'll do the deep fake for the, the video portion of it. And they'll often find a voice actor who sounds very much like the person. And that's what they did with this Tom Cruise as Iron Man video. 
it just takes the scene with Robert Downey Jr. and and sort of face swaps him and puts Tom Cruise's face on Robert Downey Jr.'s body and has a voice actor playing Tom Cruise. Um, of, co- of course, it is possible also there, there are technologies available to simulate voices based on a number of samples. So it's also possible to do that even without a voice actor. But yeah, this is becoming something that we need to be more aware of. And so far, at least as far as we know, this hasn't been used in any like major political, you know, smear campaigns or anything like that. But something to to keep an eye on as time moves forward and don't necessarily trust every video that you see online because it very well could be a deep fake. We'll link to an article on the ExpressVPN website. And one thing that you might want to notice if you're familiar with Tom Cruise from the movies is don't look at his face. Look at the way he moves his body. And you can tell it's not Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise does not move his body the way this character does in the video, who's really Robert Downey Jr. Okay, Apple's App Store comes under the spotlight for how it handles fake crypto apps. And uh, crypto apps are problematic for so many reasons. One is they can be fake and they can be you know, scraping your credentials. Another is there is an awful lot of malware in crypto apps, less so for iOS than for Android. The whole area is just rife with danger, isn't it? Well, there are scammers out there who are trying to get people to invest in new cryptocurrencies with the whole idea being, you know, well, if you had invested in, for example, Bitcoin before it exploded, then you would be rich right now, right? And so the... There's all these sort of new coins, cryptocurrencies that are are that people are coming up with all the time. And so they're they're trying to get people to get in on the ground floor. Right. And of course, that automatically sort of sounds like a scam to some people. And in some cases, these really are scams. These are not necessarily always real legitimate new cryptocurrencies. A lot of times these are just fraudsters who are trying to trick people into, you know, a scheme, basically. And so the the problem here that is being discussed is that there's really not much preventing somebody from putting a new app on the app store that claims to be related to some brand new cryptocurrency that doesn't actually exist that might just be used to try to mine data from people or or other things. Worth pointing out, I'm linking to a Mac Rumors article, and some of the comments are, crypto anything is a scam. The entire crypto industry is toxic. Crypto apps should not exist in the app store. It's nothing but a scam. The the people who are commenting on, on this realize that there is no, like, honest crypto, right? It, it is all a Ponzi scheme and a scam, but we don't want to get into that. Okay, we have a document that is entitled Investigation Report About the Abuse of the Mac App Store. It talks about analysis of seven different Apple developer accounts orchestrated by the same Chinese developer, and the apps are scams. They have fake reviews. They manage to hide elements in the app from App Store review, which, of course, is a problem with the App Store review if they're not able to find enough information. This is kind of serious. We've talked about this a number of times before, and it's kind of hard to see how Apple is going to get control of this. There were just so many apps in the App Store. How can they sort this out? And retake control. Well, so first of all, a couple more details about this latest batch of apps. Um, There's an independent researcher who uh, came up with a a list of several different developers, and each developer has multiple apps in the App Store. 
where they're using techniques to bypass Apple's review process with certain functionality that they're implementing only after the review process has been completed. Once the app has been approved, now it's in the App Store, they're enabling additional functionality, which is not supposed to be something that, first of all, it's not allowed. It's uh, That specifically is something that is not supposed to happen according to the App Store guidelines, and they're getting away with it. And as of today, as of when we're recording this, Apple still has not taken these apps down from the App Store. So even though they're obviously in violation, they've been called out publicly for it. Apple still hasn't done anything. It's really hard to know what to recommend to people. I mean, there are tons of good apps on the App Store for iPhone, iPad, Mac OS. I think you just kind of need to find the good ones, right? The, the problem is if you search for an app now, you're going to get ads from developers who might be paying for ads to get on the top to scam you. You don't know how good these apps are. I once looked for, I don't know, a solitaire app for my iPhone. There must be 3,000 solitaire apps. How can you know if any of them are honest and not, you know, stealing data? It's just gotten to be a wild west on the App Store. Yeah, unfortunately, the the best thing that you can do usually is look for developers that you know, For first of all. If you are looking for a particular app and there's no developer that you recognize, then you kind of have to go by reviews and, and what tends to rank pr pretty highly in the App Store results. A again, the first result um, is usually going to be an advertisement, and it will have a slightly different color on the background of that panel just to, to show you that this is an ad. But if you're not really looking carefully at it, you might miss that. And also, if you're colorblind, and you might miss that. So it's not necessarily obvious to everybody that top result is an ad. By the way, this is, of course, a problem with Google search results and, and a number of, number of other things, too. But aside from that, like there's not really a whole lot you can do, because if an app has a ton of reviews, it could very well be that it's one of these apps that's being called out in this report that and yet another thing that they're doing is they're getting a whole bunch of fake reviews to sort of in artificially inflate how good their app appears to be. And if you actually look at some of the reviews, the legit reviews, if you can kind of find them and filter for them, you know, a lot of times people will say this app doesn't work for me, or they'll complain about certain functionality. One of the other things that, that some of these apps are doing is that they're altering the user interface. Again, after the Apple review process, they're doing things to sort of prevent you from quitting the app until you pay for a subscription or, or an upgrade. This is the same kind of thing that we talked about earlier this year. Some people were calling it ransomware. It's not exactly ransomware because you could quit the app in other ways, but they were disabling the normal ways that you could quit an app to sort of prevent you from doing that or try to trick people basically into like paying for an in-app purchase before they could move on and quit the app. So that's something that we're seeing yet again. And it's something that's going to continue to be a problem in the app store, unless Apple can figure out something else that they can do to identify these things as a problem before they get in the store. 
So Apple's talking about sideloading again. Sideloading is when you install something outside of the App Store, and they've sent a letter to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee talking about how Android devices make up 50.31% of all infected devices. This is according to Nokia's 2021 Threat Intelligence Report. Windows devices make up 23%, macOS devices 9.2%, and iOS devices, they say, make up a percentage so small as to not even be singled out. So two things interesting. One is... 9.2% of all devices infected are macOS devices. That's really interesting. The other is that they're once again saying side loading's dangerous. Don't let people get stuff outside of our app store. Bad, bad, bad. Yet we were just talking about how dangerous it is getting apps from the app store. Where's the beef, Apple? This is kind of an interesting report because Apple is citing information collected by Nokia, which, uh, you know, it traditionally has been like a smartphone company, right? Well, Nokia has a threat intelligence report that they released covering the 2021 year. And it details the results that they got from endpoint security software that they offer. So basically, a company, if they want to protect the devices on their network, they can install Nokia software on their Android, iOS, Mac, Windows, and other devices. So what's a little bit unclear to me, like even looking at the data in the report, they're saying those numbers as though, you know, this is a percentage of overall of what devices are infected in the world. This is really just a sampling of people who are using Nokia software to check out the devices on their own networks. So it's not necessarily that, you know, these statistics are, are exactly accurate, but, but they, at least for their part, again, you, you would assume that you would probably go with Nokia as a provider for something like this. If you were a company that had a lot of Android devices in your fleet, right? Because again, of that traditional association between Nokia and Android. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. What Apple points out, though, is that the, the number of iOS devices that were found to be infected were so small that they didn't get their own sliver of the pie chart, uh, that they were just lumped in with the other, which, okay, that's not really saying a whole lot, except that Apple's saying, well, yeah, but it does say a lot because it shows how great our app store policies are that, and how great it is that we're locking down devices in such a way. More than half of all the malware that they discovered was Android malware. And, you know, if there was any iOS malware, it was so small, it didn't even like get its own sliver of the pie chart. Okay, very quickly, Google has pushed back the deadline for killing off third parties in Chrome again to the second half of 2024. Do we have anything to say about that other than Google is once again pushing back the deadline for killing off third party cookies in Chrome? <laughs> well, that's about it. <laughs> Browser manufacturers have been talking about doing for such a long time, and it's it's difficult to do because third party cookies are used for a lot of you know a lot of purposes some of them are legitimate purposes as i've mentioned before you know with, with firefox doing more with regard to third party cookies and so forth it it's it has its own a different way of approaching third-party cookies and and protecting users in that sense were related to cookies, and it's interesting to see Google taking this sort of all-or-nothing approach. It, it, at least that's sort of the perception that they're giving off, right? They're saying we will kill off third-party cookies. It's just that we're going to do it in 
well, it was 2023. Now they're, well, okay, we'll do it in 2024. So they're just kicking the can so far down the road. It seems like there, there ought to be more steps in the interim before we get to that complete cutoff of third-party cookies. Also, there's so many other ways to track at this point. Really, we're still worrying about cookies in 2022. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the leap second, which is a lot more interesting than you may think. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2022. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Monterey and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. Okay, there has been a leak of Twitter API keys. And at first glance, this doesn't sound very serious. An API key allows an app, and in this case, it could be a web app. It doesn't have to be a, a standalone app. It allows an app to access Twitter with user accounts. And apparently more than 3,200 apps have been leaking Twitter API keys. The problem with this is you may have seen websites or online apps that ask you to authorize their use of your Twitter account to do certain things. I'll give an example. The Intego Mac security blog links to Twitter through WordPress. So WordPress is allowed to tweet in our account. It's a pretty simple thing. A website, as soon as an article is published, you want to get that out into social media. So we have Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. But some of these apps, if they're exposing the Twitter API keys, then it's possible that someone who's picking up these API keys may be able to hack into these web apps and access user accounts, in which case they can read tweets, send tweets, and potentially send and read direct messages as well. That's, I think, the most serious part of this. Depending on what apps you've authorized and whether any of those apps happen to be in this list of leaked API keys. Basically, first of all, I should take a step back here and explain application programming interface is what API stands for. And these keys are supposed to only be known to the developer. And what has happened in many cases, apparently at least 3,200 cases, is that these developers are actually putting the API key into resources within their app bundles, basically. And that's a problem because that, that key is not supposed to be public knowledge. And once a bad guy obtains that key, then that's where the, the potential to hack into users' accounts can come in. Again, there's certain apps that you may have authorized to allow to see direct messages. For example, Hootsuite is a very popular 
app that a lot of people use to, for example, schedule posts to be sent at a specific time. It can also do things that interact with your direct messages as well. Now, Hootsuite, as far as I know, is not one of the, the companies. Unfortunately, we don't have a list of all these 3,200 apps that have leaked their API keys. And the reason for that is because Bleeping Computer, the, the company that was notified by this cybersecurity research organization, they reached out to a bunch of these companies and didn't get any response from a lot of them. They said that there was one notable exception that where they did get a reply and the, they did fix the app and that was Ford Motors. So again, these are not necessarily just fly-by-night companies. Some of these are even big companies that have made this really big mistake with their apps. Okay, what you want to do is you want to go to Twitter. I'm on the web right now. I'm looking at it. So in the mobile app, it's going to be different. But the little more icon, which is the circle with the three dots, if you click that, settings and privacy, security and account access, then apps and sessions, then connected apps. So you'll see all the apps that you have authorized to access your account. Now, what's interesting is there was an iOS access there. Remember when Twitter used to be integrated into iOS? Well, you no longer need that. It was set up in 2011. OS X was set up in 2012. I wouldn't worry so much about Apple leaking APIs, but see if you have anything else that shows up there in the list that you're not familiar with or that you're not using anymore and remove them. On my account, I see WordPress, I see Twitterific, which is the client I use for Twitter and a couple of other things. But you will find a number of old iOS things like Photos and Safari, you can get rid of those and just check if there's anything you don't recognize in there or anything you don't use anymore and remove them. Right. That's one really important thing I wanted to stress is that if you haven't used this in a long time where you don't remember why you authorized some app to work with Twitter to be connected with Twitter, delete it. For example, Dig is not the same service that it once was. So if you still have a Dig connected app, you probably don't need that anymore. And you probably should remove that. One other way that you can get to this, by the way, is to go to twitter.com slash settings slash connected underscore apps. Okay. Have you noticed, Josh, that the earth is spinning faster? Um, I, I can't say that I've personally perceived that <laughs> the Earth is spinning faster. Apparently, this is this has been spinning faster since 2016, which explains a lot. And what this means is that the Earth recorded its shortest day ever on June 29, 2022. It was 1.5 milliseconds less than the average day. Now, that not, may not sound like a lot, 1.5 milliseconds less, but multiply that by 365 and you're getting to a year that is a second shorter. Since 1972, there has been an organization that manages leap seconds. Leap seconds are added because the Earth was getting slower. So every few years, we'd need to add a second. The same way we have a leap year where we add an extra day. The problem is that if we have to remove a second, if we have to take a second out, this is going to cause a great deal of havoc with computer systems. It may not sound like it's a big deal, but there are computer systems that depend on the precise second when files are written, when things are done. In 2012, a lot of websites, including Reddit, crashed because of something in the Linux operating system that couldn't handle the extra leap second. So we're at the point now where big companies, and we're talking about Meta, which is Facebook, Apple, and Google, they're all saying, get rid of leap seconds. We can go 2,000 years before we have to really worry about this. But there is a possibility that we will be deducting a second at some point in the near future. 
Right. And where it gets interesting is when you start to consider the specific types of potential problems that you could have. I think the easiest way to sort of visualize this is imagine a database like Amazon, for example, has to record every purchase that anybody ever makes, right? So imagine that there's this giant database of all of these purchase transactions. The database needs to be able to handle this and order things properly. For purchases, it may not really make that much of a difference whether a purchase was made in one second or the next second, right? If you're talking about a leap second, those seconds may appear to be the same time period, depending on how that data is recorded, how the date and exact time code is recorded. This could potentially have security implications too. Imagine that you're logging into a service and somebody else is able to log in at the exact same time as you, but they're not actually logging in at the same time. They're logging in a second later, but it appears as though they're logging in at the same time as you. There might be some ways to sort of exploit that type of scenario that could make this a potential security concern. Well, I think the real issue is more huge databases banking, things like that, where seconds are really important, where there are millions of transactions a second. The problem is that they've been adding leap seconds for a long time, since 1972, but they've never had to delete a second. They never had to go back a second, and they don't know what's going to happen. I did some work for a company for a few years that does something called object storage. What this is, is any item that's sent to the storage pool, which could be hundreds or even thousands of different disks, is broken up into different bits and spread around. Think of a RAID system where you've got five hard drives and all your data is split up. And so you have this possibility if one drive dies, you can replace it and still rebuild it and get all the data. So imagine that you have tons of bits of data going up into a storage pool and that there's data going up at one second, and then there's data that's going up a second earlier because the second has changed. So you have two elements of data at the same second, and everything can get confused. Think of content delivery networks. Think of Amazon and banking of all sorts of things. The, the problem is it only sounds like a second, but it's an awful lot more. Now, Google has been doing something interesting that they call smearing. Instead of adding a leap second, what they do is they add bits of the second over a period of 17 hours. So they're adding a bunch of milliseconds every now and then. And this means that the actual second, there's less of a possibility of two things happening at the same second that aren't the same second. This kind of hurts my brain when I'm thinking about this. And, and the main takeaway I have here is I want a Tom Cruise movie where that leap second going backwards allows him to go back in time. I think that is just a wonderful idea. Yeah, and the, and the smear, now that's a technique that is specifically for when the, the when a second is being added. Right. So 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 we, we have this we have existing you know precedent for for that, but now with the first time of a second being taken away, where we're traveling back in time, sort of, that's a new thing that that engineers are gonna have to figure out the proper way to handle that. And basically every database is certainly anything that might be in any way security related, those databases are certainly going to have to be updated to to make sure that they're able to handle that leap second that's been removed. So I was interested to find out that the leap second is handled by the International Earth Rotation and Reference System Service. This would be a great job to have, wouldn't it, to be worrying about seconds in UTC. We were talking before the show about this, and 
uh, Josh's first reaction was, well, we have daylight saving time, and that's, you know, we deal with that. The difference is that computers don't think in terms of daylight savings time. They think in terms of UTC, which is universal time coordinated, and they'll add plus one or plus two, depending on your time zone, and they'll add or subtract when there's daylight saving time or not. So computers don't know about daylight saving. They know what they're showing you as the time on your computer clock when you see a file updated in the finder, but the computer itself is working on UTC. So daylight saving time is actually easy to deal with. It's these little pesky seconds that are hard to figure out. Okay, to sum up, this isn't something we need to worry about, but I find it really interesting to know that, first of all, the Earth is rotating faster, and second of all, that there is a lot of thought going into this. Before the show, we were talking about the similarity with Y2K, and Josh said, oh, everyone worried about that, and nothing happened. I know someone who worked for two years for a company, hand-updating Fortran code for businesses in the UK to prevent that from happening. So it's not that nothing happened, it's that there was enough warning that things got fixed in time. I'm sure we'll fix this before we get to that leap second being removed. I'm sure that won't happen until all these big computer companies have said that we've figured out a way to deal with this. Right. And it's not that nothing happened. And yes, that is a fair point that a lot of things were done to sort of prepare for Y2K, which is a a big reason why nothing really major happened. There's one more that's coming up. It's called the year 2038 problem or Y2K38. I'll put a link in the show notes to a Wikipedia article on January 19, 2038. There will be another problem, but I think everything will be fixed by then. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.